This week on the Tech on Tech podcast, we discuss NetApp performance monitoring and how easy it can be with NA Box and NetApp Harvest. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipok. Zipok. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in my basement of my house uh, doing a podcast, of course. Uh, and joining me today, Dan Isaacs. Hi. Hola, Justin. Dan. Um, How goes your quarantine? It's going. It's going. Uh, Dan joined us today with a mask on and I informed him that we are appropriately socially distanced. So we're good. <laughs> so it is now off. So um, now I can spread my virus to him. Uh, so Dan, um, if you are, if people are not familiar with you, could you give them a little insight of who you are and what you do? Uh, I am a, a longtime technical marketing engineer at NetApp. Um, I've been focused for the better part of the last decade on uh, off-flash fads and uh, performance, uh, flash things, living too far uh, over the edge in terms of performance and desperately wanting to know how fast I've gone. And there is no better tool for visualizing that than uh, what we're going to talk about today. So, so uh, how do I reach you, Dan? Uh, you can reach me on the Twitter at Dan Isaacs. All right. That's like uh, That's two like bartenders. Two bartenders. It sounds yeah, like two Isaac drinks. From the or like, it sounds, actually sounds like a drink name. Like, I'll have a Dan Isaacs. On the rocks. All right. Uh, so Dan alluded to what we're going to talk about today. And today we're going to talk about performance monitoring and specifically about Grafana uh, and Harvest, NetApp Harvest specifically. Um, and to do that, we brought a couple of people along that have dabbled in this quite a bit. Uh, the genesis of this was I tried to set this up in my lab and I realized that that thing is a beast to set up. Um, so you know, rather than trying to figure it all out, I found the NetApp box solution or the NA box solution that uh, is being currently owned by Jan Bizul, who is here with us today. So Jan, uh, what do you do here at NetApp? How do we reach you? Hey, I'm a, uh, I'm a, uh, they call it a global technical strategist, which used to be a TAM. And I, uh, I work out at the uh, Paris office. I'm joined NetApp seven years ago and I can be reached on YB on tap. It's my uh, Twitter handle. And uh, I've been involved in performance monitoring for quite some time. Uh, especially on that NetApp Harvest project from from the uh, from the early days, so that's the reason I'm here as well as Anybox. All right, and we also brought along a NetApp partner uh, who has worked with Grafana and NetApp Harvest, and actually has done some work containerizing it. So we brought him along for his expertise as well as to kind of give his uh, his experience in trying to set it up uh, and commiserate. Dan Berkland is here. Hi, Dan. Hey, thanks for having me. So yeah, my name is Dan Berkland, and I'm a client solutions architect with Ahead. Um, they are a NetApp partner and integrator based out of Chicago. And just to kind of a little bit of brief history about myself, I started as a customer of NetApps long ago, getting hands-on experience with 7 mode, and then eventually CDOT and going through that whole migration, um, and then eventually moving over to a PS role with NetApp where I got to learn the nit and grit of uh, ONTAP and fitting it into every sort of type of customer environment out there. So been on the customer, I'm sorry, the partner side. Um, the last few years, and my kind of specialty is, you know, designing hybrid cloud solutions. All right. And if we wanted to reach you, how would we do that? 
uh, Twitter uh, at dberkland. Uh, otherwise, I have a blog, just www.dberkland.com. And uh, Dan is also um, found around Teslas. So you can, you yes. can find him anywhere there's a Tesla being mentioned. Yes. If, if you have a question about anything Tesla or SpaceX uh, related, Dan is an excellent resource for you. Elon, Elon Musk's favorite color, um, his birthday. Baby name, maybe. I don't know. Well, that's changed now. Yeah, so neglected, just... neglected baby, baby names. Yes. What didn't make exactly. That's right. <laughs> Um, so, so to get into what we're talking about today, actually, before I do that, let's, uh, Dan is also a member of the NetApp A team. Uh, so, if you're familiar with the NetApp A team, hey. he, uh, they they do some advocating for NetApp. Uh, you can find them at, at NetApp A team on Twitter. So, as, as mentioned, we're going to talk about performance monitoring and specifically Grafana and Harvest. But let's just kind of start with performance monitoring and you know talk about what it is and some of the strategies people use. Uh, to monitor NetApp performance. Um, so to do that, um, Jan, uh, what have you found in the field for customers that are trying to, to monitor their NetApp performance before you know they started using things like Grafana and Harvest? Well, historically, there, there, there was a couple of options, right? Mostly, uh, they obviously got to start with whatever NetApp provides. So uh, namely, uh, Uncommon Unified Manager or ActiveIQ Unified Manager, uh, System Manager got really better in the uh, latest release uh, regarding uh, reporting live performance from from the systems. If you want to, you know, if you're troubleshooting something, uh, if you want to take a look at the long run performance, uh, ActiveAQ Unified Manager does a fair job at this. It's not very granular. It's not you, but you get a you know an idea of how your uh, systems are performing. And and of course, you can also go to ActiveAQ.netapp.com uh, to take a look at you know whatever's archived by NetApp from a performance standpoint regarding your clusters and systems and HAPRs and all that stuff. Uh, so that's that's pretty much what they had, right? And I, uh, that, that's that's why, you know, there was a need for other solutions because um, some people uh, can take it. Some people can take all the different metrics and all the different stats that you can get out of a system using the APIs and they want to see this. Uh, so that that's probably what we're going to, that's the next step. That's what we're going to talk about. Okay. And Dan, from the partner side, I mean, what sort of challenges have you run into when trying to monitor, monitor performance with NetApp? I guess there's just a lot of, you know, data points out there that you could possibly look at, right? I mean, and there's things that have evolved as ONTAP has evolved, of course, as well to, you know, introduce more change there. So it's just been hard, I think, for a lot of folks to kind of keep up to date with some of those things. So performance is, you know, again, keeps changing. But uh, I think something like you know, NetApp Harvest, as we'll talk about, can be a potential, you know, solution to some of those things and hopefully help, you know, lay out those data points in a clean fashion. So, so Dan Isaacs, as a performance guy at NetApp, I mean, you've seen a lot and done a lot with performance. What have you been choosing as your tool of choice with performance monitoring? I mean, do you gen generally just stick with Perfstat or do you use like more graphical monitoring tools to kind of give a visual visualization of everything? Well, it, you know, Perfstat was, you know, used to be a, a great way to get all of the data, uh, but it, I mean, you had to pretty much be an expert in Perfstat in order to really understand what any of it meant, and certainly to make correlations between uh, points of data. Because another thing I have to do is make PowerPoints about my testing. I need to have pictures because, you know, management likes pictures. So, uh, it, the absolute best way to do this, you know, back in the data on tap uh, 
8.3 days. I, I know many people are still running that, but when that was brand new, um, we didn't have a good way to get uh, very granular yet uh, graphical performance data uh, from an ONTAP system. Uh, we could get it at the application layer generally. Uh, we could get, if we were running FIO or uh, VD Bench, you know, there were tools for, uh, you know, making Excel graphs uh, with 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 those results. Um, but to get information out of out of ONTAP, uh, the solution that uh, Jan developed, which uh, was originally called Harvest, I don't know if we still call it Harvest, um, and has uh, matured in the intervening years into basically a BM that uh, I'm kind of surprised you had trouble setting it up, frankly. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. a v- No. So I started by trying to do it from scratch. Right. So I didn't even think about any boxes. Like, okay, oh, let me try to set up Grafana. Okay. Let me try to set up Harvest. So I'm going through all the instructions, and the documentation and like, okay, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to install this particular package. Then you got to update these packages and then you got to do these pip things. And I'm like, no, this is ridiculous. I'm now in the weeds. <laughs> and I finally got it up and running after I figured out the web port stuff. Cause you have to also be a web admin to do this apparently. And then I was like, okay, it's running. Now what do I do with it? How do I get data into it? Okay. This is a brand new challenge that I'm not going to do anything with. I spent enough time in this already. Let me go find some alternate solutions. And one of those alternate solutions I came across was Dan Berklin's blog, where he talks about containerizing, and that was the next thing I tried. But you know, let's talk about what he did there. So Dan, what went into what you were doing with your containerization of Grafana and Harvest? What drove you to do that? Yeah, so I guess it kind of all started in 2015 um, when I was working at NetApp as a PS person, where I got commonly pulled into some support cases that were performance oriented, right? So I came across NetApp Harvest on the internal NetApp distribution list. Chris Madden made some posts about it and kind of was immediately intrigued by it because it kind of gave you a lot of a verbose view of what was going on with a given system from a, several different layers, right? So I was talking with a colleague. I went through the install uh, for a larger customer in the Midwest and they had about hundred or so NetApp systems. And I quickly found out as you found out, Justin, like you have, you know, your different Linux distributions out there, your different system configurations, your different packages and thus package requirements. It can be kind of a a tedious task to get this thing set up. So uh, this is something I wanted to repeat over and over for other customers that wanted a similar experience. So in talking with a colleague based out of the Minneapolis NetApp office, um, he mentioned, why didn't you containerize this? And, to me at the time, containers were something new. Um, Docker was still kind of getting on its feet uh, in 2015. So I said, you know, this will be an opportunity for me to, to get more up to speed and get some hands-on experience. And so I kind of built the image with, in a similar approach to like how I'm sure Jan built the VM where it's essentially all the services are kind of encompassed in that, in that image, um, which isn't always following container best practices, but it was again, uh, something that I wanted to keep simple and consumable. So um, I automated, you know, again, the, the build of that and then also the different components that would stand it up underneath the covers. So essentially, when you get a Linux system, you install Docker. And once you have Docker and an interconnection out to the outside world, you would then just do a Docker run. It pulls the image down. Everything's good to go. And essentially, you have a fully functional NetApp Harvest stack. So, you know, with containers being ephemeral and like, you know, being able to go away and come back with ease what benefit is there for having a performance monitoring system where you probably want to keep that data having yep. it in a container? Is it, is it something that you find challenging? Does the data get stored elsewhere so that we don't lose it and we can just bring it up whenever we want? 
Correct. Yeah. So there's a couple of different ways you can go about it. The one way I cover in my blog is just, it's the simplest way is just to basically create some directories on the host system that you then pipe through that container when you run it. And that stays persistent along with the configuration. So essentially you can just treat that container as ephemeral, throw it away. But then when the new version comes out, you simply just point it back at those directories and away you go and you pick up where you left off. Um, the other way is if you want to use something like Trident, you can provision storage um, in the terms of a Docker volume on maybe a NetApp system and tie that into that container as well. Um, I've played around with a few different ways in my lab, throwing on Kubernetes as well and done something similar with Trident, and that was pretty cool. So there's several different ways, but essentially the data stays persistent along with the configuration. Is your uh, next step trying to put it into Project Astra using yeah, Kubernetes I have services? A lot of, I still have a lot of reading to do on that, but uh, yes, that would be a cool little nice to have. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, with every difficult configuration comes new solutions, and Dan was one of those solutions, right? creating a containerized version of it so that's easier to set up. You can just do a Docker pull image and you don't have to worry about all the configuration. Um, but Jan went a step further and created an all-encapsulated uh, VM that can run on any sort of virtualization platform, more or less. He designed it for, for VMware and ESX. So Jan, what went into that? You know, What was the impetus behind that and what sort of things have you done since then? Yeah. So, so yeah, there was there was a need clearly. I mean, the, most people were kind of struggling with the installation of Graphite itself, which uh, has a lot of dependencies in Python, different Python modules and versions they have to match, and you never know what the directory is where where the Python is going to you know look at the dependencies and all that. It becomes a major pain in the butt. Uh, so I realized this, and having my background as a developer, a sysadmin, and all that stuff, I had all the skills to put that together and let the customer use a virtual appliance that they'd be able to deploy in a, in a vSphere infrastructure where pretty much everything would be bundled in. For uh, intellectual property reasons, I could not really bundle NetApp Harvest in there or the NetApp SDK, which is a missing piece of this. But everything else is comes with a... Um, web interface that you can connect, you know, you connect to the web interface for the first time once the VM is deployed and running, you take maybe 30 seconds to upload the two archive like NetApp SDK and NetApp Harvest. And once you have that very easy to use, you can still in the web interface, add your systems, remove your system, get into Grafana, look at all the graphs, get to the Graphite website itself to kind of troubleshooting stuff regarding the, uh, the storage of the metrics and all that. And that's how it started. It started with a, a text-only web, not, not web, but text-only interface, and you put your system IP addresses and credentials in a, in a console. And then I added the web interface, and that's been running for, I don't know, I, th I think it's been like five years now. And it evolved to what it is today. So it's called AnaBox. It's available on anabox.org. And it's one of the easiest solution to get a full-fledged package where you don't have to do anything but deploy your virtual appliance into your vSphere infrastructure or like you did on Hyper-V, it can be done as well. You, 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 you got to explain this on your, on your blog and that was, that was awesome. So it, it, it proved that, that it works really well for Hyper-V as well. So great feedback. People are very happy with it. Uh, not a lot of support, which kind of makes sense because it's supposed to be easy to use. And, and people are not reaching out a lot with problems and all that stuff. And some customers were really, really helpful uh, going beyond and helping me 
uh, it's a team effort, right? Helping me optimize stuff, make the performance not too, you know, heavy on, on the controller on one side, and then on the storage for graphite dat data on the other side. So it's been it's been doing really really well. Uh, so two dot six is out. Um, am I mistaken? This I don't remember. Uh, two dot something is out and it's pretty stable. <laughs> it's robust. It works. And I'm uh, I'm tackling the next part of the of uh, the journey with Net, uh, NABox version three, which is uh, which is going to fix some of the shortcomings of 2.x, which is security. Uh, it's based on a pretty old Debian version, uh, and people are sometimes worried about older OS release, and I know I am, so I needed to I needed to do something about this. And I'm not working on version three, uh, uh, which is going to be brand new. It's going to be fully containerized, and it's going to have a brand new website. So that's that's what's for the future. Excellent. It's also going to leverage more of the REST APIs, right? I mean, we're right now it's well, based on SDKs. REST, oh yeah, I mean REST that's, was a that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, and, and sorry, Dan, you can ask it. Let, let, let's let, yeah, let's let Dan, Dan ask it. Go ahead, yeah. Dan, ask it. <laughs> uh, so Jan, I, I know for a long time uh, the harvest. Harvest tool was uh, leveraging APIs in order to grab data. Um, we're currently switching over from uh, those APIs in modern versions of ONTAP to uh, REST APIs. Uh, how is that affecting uh, development of, of this solution? So uh, there's two parts uh, into this. Uh, the NetApp Harvest, the way NetApp Harvest queries the system and it's today it's using a Zappy interface because that's what that's what covers pretty much everything and all the statistics and metrics you can get out of the uh, ONTAP system. NetApp being you know transitioning to a REST interface for the uh, performance metrics, obviously Harvest is gonna is gonna follow this. And and the guy that's working on Harvest Verhagen is you know following this pretty closely. But you gotta be careful because that's what we do usually we don't do everything at once. So there's some stuff that are going to be there first, but not all the metrics are going to be available as a REST interface. So that's the first aspect of the other aspect, since we live in a world of automation, Ansible, everything must be automated. There is a role to play for NABox itself, being able to be automated and be integrated into a workflow that would automatically from ServiceNow or I don't know what, you'll be able to perform a REST call to any box so that you add a system to the to the harvest piece that, that's in it and you'd be able to completely manage in and out of the system into your infrastructure because you can't always use a website for this. It's convenient, it's easy to use, but it's not well integrated into a, work, a workflow. So that's, that's gonna be one of the main uh, point of NABox v3 is going to be a full REST interface for both Harvest and the uh, features of NABox. It's actually being developed as a REST first uh, fashion. So the website is only performing REST calls to do the actions. Um, but yeah, uh, NetApp transitioning to REST interface, obviously Harvest is going to have to transition to that as well. Is it going to be better I don't know. It's going to be different. Uh, I don't think it's going to make a change. Uh, obviously, the, the, the goal is for that to be transparent for the customer. They shouldn't have to worry about that stuff, and they and they wouldn't have to worry about it. I'm, I'm confident it's not going to be a problem. Yeah, and you know the other thing that certainly uh, 
the development team has to take into account is that the environments it's going out into in the wild, very few of them are probably going to be using ONTAP 9.8. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, it's or been, even 9.7. So. And it's been a great, great point about Harvest. Harvest has been for a long time willing to keep compatibility with seven mode, for example. We always wanted to keep this for the longest because we know that despite everything we try to sell to our customers, sometimes they don't listen to us. <laughs> and they, have, they still have seven mode system lying around. And it's important to have the metrics about the, those systems. So uh, legacy uh, is important and uh, that we make a point of supporting these old systems. I know of customers out there that still are running seven mode and using Harvest to monitor data. It's 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 more than you think. It's it's interesting. This hurt. This hurts my feelings. <laughs> Mine too. Why does it hurt your feelings? Oh well, just there's been so many advances within Clustered on Tap for uh, the last six years that uh, you're missing out on a lot of. On a lot of advances. What's a what's a clustered on tap? I only know of on tap. What is this clustered on tap? Well, <laughs> that's it is just on tap now. But uh, there was a time way back when I don't remember this that that uh, this never there happened. Were two kinds of on tap. Nothing happened. Well, yes. My my wife is a therapist. She can explain to you why you've blacked it out. Yes, I'm sure she could. So, uh, Dan, um, Berkland, not Isaacs. Isaacs has talked enough. Uh, Dan Berkland, uh, you do a lot of partner work with customers. There are a lot of NetApp tools out there for performance. I mean, you have things like System Manager. You have things like ActiveIQ Unified Manager. You have Grafana and Harvest. I mean, you have a lot of things you can do. You probably could plug it into things like MRTG if you wanted to. Um, yep. What are you finding customers are using the most, and what is the what has gotten the best overall response in terms of monitoring performance? Um, I think a lot of folks start with Unified Manager. It's you know it's designed to cover the majority of use cases out there. Um, I will say that most of my customers that I've dealt with are more technical. They like to get more hands on and see all the data points. So that's kind of where Harvest has kind of come into play. Um, so I've deployed at most of my customers, and they've kind of utilized that just for their you know, a monthly reporting. A lot of them have monthly reports they run to see where things are at, see if workloads are trending differently. Um, and they look at like a top 10 volume view in some cases or looking at how their aggregates are performing, things like that. Um, so they're kind of using that for that reporting. I had one customer use it for an interesting use case where they were actually pulling like the SIFS connections, um, how much active connections there were at a given point as they were running into an issue. Um, so they want to know how close they were to hitting that issue. So they were pulling that out via you know REST API out of out of the backend uh, Graphite database and essentially then keeping track of that and alerting when it was getting close to that tip over point. So there's been some interesting use cases there, but uh, my customers have really appreciated the amount of data you can get out of it. It's just one of those things where I've always had to once we set it up, we have a sit down period and we go through you know here's how you drill down if there's a given couple different performance scenarios that you want to try to you know learn more about. So they get a better understanding of how to use the tool. Because if you just go into it blind, it's it's a bit daunting. There's a lot of data to get confused with. So, yeah, and I mean, it also can pull data from other systems, right? It's not just NetApp. Yep. Like you can you can plug yeah. in other graphs. Correct. Yeah, and uh, I've had some folks leverage this, and smaller customers they've leveraged it as kind of their intro to Grafana, right? So they've thrown other data points into that backend Graphite database and and graphed it accordingly. Um, so there's been that, and then I've 
have folks as well that have plugged it into Unified Manager, which you can totally do, and pull in capacity stats and have it just in one pane of glass. So I have folks doing that as well. So it's kind of like what you're looking after, but it's pretty flexible in that regard. Yeah, and that's interesting because, I mean, you can plug in Unified Manager information. So that doesn't make Grafana you know, deprecating of a Unified Manager. It basically can enhance Unified Manager and add capacity information as well and then just give you a single place to look at it. But Unified Manager does still very much have a place within the NetApp uh, infrastructure. And there's one big topic that about this is the alerting stuff. You you talked about alerting, Dan, and that's a important piece of all this. And I would say that's where Harvest Grafana, Graphite Stacks kind of lacks and where ActiveIQ Unified Manager has a you know, pretty good stack on this. You, I mean, you, you get alerts on uh, latency spikes, right? That's pretty much what you want to get. And, and today, that uh, open source stack is not doing a great, great job at this. It's going to get better with the uh, integration of things like uh, Prometheus. But for now, if you want alerting, you still got to use good old <laughs> that I provided ActiveIQ Unified Manager. Yeah. So as far as Grafana is concerned, I mean, is there other things built in where if you hit a certain threshold, not, you know, maybe not just triggering an alert, but like maybe triggering an auto support, or maybe telling Unified Manager to trigger an auto support? So there are there are some stuff in there, right? So Grafana has basic alerting system, and you can you you can say, okay, uh, look at this volume, but it's got to be that specific volume, and look at you know the latency spike, and if it's above that level, send me an email and whatnot. You can do that. What you cannot do is link this with a backend like Graphite and say, okay, look at all these volumes and tell me whenever any of these volumes has latency spike above that threshold. Uh, so that that's the problem with with Grafana today. It is getting better. It can be managed by the backend itself. So Prometheus is doing a you know, pretty decent job at this. But since we're not using Prometheus yet, uh, it's not part of the uh, of the equation now. Uh, so that's why I have a tendency to tell people keep and and I, you know I'm all here. If you guys have other options out there, but keep your ActiveIQ Unified Manager for your alerts. Because that can be pretty critical in in a uh, in a you know prediction environment. You don't want to mess around with alerts, uh, and and do the uh, harvest and, and 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 Grafana stuff for you know troubleshooting, have an insight into you know into your your performance and all that stuff. And that's exactly how my customers have kind of treated it. Where the alerts come out of Unified Manager, if they have a latency issue that's been detected, that's kind of when they go to harvest and then start drilling down and get the whole picture of what was going on at that given point in time. And the best part is all that stuff is free of charge, right? I mean, you don't have to pay for Unified yeah. Manager. You don't have to pay for NA Box and Grafana and Graphite. It's all there to set up and use as you need to. Yep. Exactly. Keeping it that way. We're throwing a lot, throwing around a lot of words, and uh, l- listeners unfamiliar with with uh, Grafana solution may not understand how they relate to each other. So, yeah, why don't you break down like what the Grafana piece is, what yeah. the graphite piece is, and what the harvest piece is, just yeah. so we have a clear understanding. So you have a couple components into into this. There's the uh, let's start with the NetApp Harvest part, which is the project that Chris Madden started, you know, five six years ago. And it's the uh, part. It's it's actually a uh, pearl pearl daemon, and it is connecting to your system using Zappies, getting the metrics and pushing that into a graphite 
time series database. So, so we have three pieces here, the NetApp Net system, uh, Harvest talks to the NetApp system, and then Harvest pushes the metrics back to Graphite. At this point, we don't have any visualization layer yet. Uh, we are still, we're just storing metrics. So we have that Graphite, which is the database, and uh, Grafana is there just for the purpose of presenting dashboards to the user. So what Grafite, what Grafana does, it connects to Graphite while you're browsing into these metrics and these dashboards. By the way, the dashboards are provided as part of the installation of Harvest. So with Harvest comes the dashboards. You don't have to figure out how to present the data and everything. It comes with Harvest. So you have Grafana, which is the website, and it's talking to Graphite and sucking all the metrics whenever you need to see that kind of data for that given time range and all that stuff. It's going to talk to Graphite to pull the metrics and present that in a nice and shiny user interface. Uh, and, and that's pretty much what there is. So there's that chain of products that you know talks talk to each other's, and it, there's a very consistent way that this works, and it's not always clear for the, for the, for the customer and the users. Uh, you're right, it's very confusing. People usually don't know, okay, that Graphite stuff, it does also do some graph, graph stuff, dashboards, but it's not as advanced as Grafana, so it's, it's kind of complicated to figure this out, but just know that dashboards, <laughs> presentation layer, that's Grafana, Harvest, just pulling the metrics from the system, pushing that into the database. And then Graphite is the central piece holding the, 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 stat, the stats and pushing that to disk and maintaining the retention, the granularity stuff and all that. Does that make yeah. more sense? So, well, yeah, I mean, I knew it. I knew what it was. I just wanted to make sure that listeners, anybody listening yeah. would, would, have, would be able to understand how these things all go together. Now, we, met, we talked a lot about uh, granularity, uh, particularly... Uh, as as it relates to Unified Manager. Um, so how granular can we get? What do our polling intervals look like, uh, both on the display part of it, like what we see when we're looking at the Grafana website, uh, versus what how often Harvest is, is grabbing the data? That's a very good point. If I was cocky, I would say one second, but I'm not, so let's be reasonable. Uh, and it's by default, it's one minute which is actually pretty good. It's really awesome for a lot of people that are used to you know, uh, other systems. I think, uh, so OnCommand Unified Manager itself has a granularity of five minutes. Like I think it gathers the metrics every 15 minutes and that's, it's, a, it's a window of five minutes. I think that's pretty much what it is. Harvest goes down to the minute by default. And if you are troubleshooting, it, it's the great aspect of Harvest is the way you can customize it without going into the code and doing modifications. You can come with your own, with your own templates and say, okay, I'm troubleshooting that situation that really requires finer granularity than one minute. I want this metric at the second or every 10 seconds. You can customize uh, the template and say, okay, for that specific metric, because I don't want to get everything uh, every 10 seconds, the, the system wouldn't hold it. I mean, we wouldn't be able to gather all the metrics in, in, in enough time, so we have to do it over, over again. But that specific metrics, like uh, for that volume, the level of IOPS, I want to get that every 10 seconds. And you can do that with Harvest as well. But the default configuration, that's not going to put a lot of pressure on your system. You don't have to worry about it. The standard configuration is at the minute, and it's really great already. Yeah, I, I know some people uh, doing just what you what you described, just limiting the number of 
of data points that Harvest is gathering um, can allow you to get it allow you to get down to one to two seconds of of granularity, which is something heavily leveraged by like our customer proof of concept labs. Yeah. Our, you know, <laughs> the, the foremost application uh, uh, experts uh, with respect to uh, Grafana internally. And you know, that's, that's what they do. They have very specific data points that they want to gather and you know, they, they do much quicker uh, intervals. Yep, they want to look at it live, and uh, you know I've seen on yeah. stage some some great demo from Neto on on that kind of stuff. It was really awesome, really cool stuff. We leveraged it for the uh, Million IOPS uh, demo. Yep. Uh, if you just uh, go on YouTube and look for One Million IOPS uh, NetApp, I think will will take you to to that presentation by uh, our good friend Neto, uh, who we love very much, and Jeff Baxter, who I know Justin, you, you are. Prof- particularly fond of. I've heard of them. <laughs> so, uh, Dan Berkland, um, what about your customers? Are they doing this sort of customization? Are they going down that granular or are they pretty much keeping it stock? Yeah, most are keeping it at the stock defaults and unless there's a performance event. Like if they're seeing, hey, we're not seeing this microburst of activity, but we know our clients or apps are affected by something happening, then we'll go look at that system and turn the granularity up a bit more, right? And say, all right, go to your interval at a couple seconds or 10 seconds or whatever to get a better view of what's going on and then kind of treat it like that. So it's not a per case basis really. Otherwise keep it at defaults. Um, have had no customers and the many different environments I've deployed this into. Um, nobody's had any issues with the default of 60 seconds for the polling interval. Okay. Are we able to pull in? Uh, so we understand that this is, this is pulling in on tap information. Um, can we pull in host information? Can we pull in fabric information? Can we grab things from a uh, fiber channel switch or uh, a network switch? That's, or is that that's all a like slope slope. stuff? Uh, because at some point you're gonna you're you're gonna you know welcome OCI's <laughs> scope. Mm-hmm. So that's that might be a problem. I don't want to get into into any trouble. Yes, you can definitely uh, add other system. Maybe Dan uh, Berkner has more experience than I do on integrating more stuff in, into the uh, customer uh, graphs dashboards. Yeah, we've had some customers. A partner. Yeah, I we've I, I, I helped out with some of these things, but um, I've seen some customers already have that existing stack for hosts and switches already there. So then we just added Harvest to kind of complete that final bit of information to that that stack and then they use some of the dashboards that ship with harvest mm-hmm. but um it's a slippery slope like you said because you know again it's i always try to delineate or differentiate essentially harvest and oci oci is going to just tell you the answer tell you where the pain is without you having to do much digging versus yes. something like this you have to kind of find the answer right the data is there but you got to put the pieces together and that's kind of how i always differentiate because when i worked at netapp unfortunately i was i was yelled at when i published a blog post about <laughs> harvest saying it cannibalized oci sales so yeah, I want to make I, I, that yeah. clear. That's there's just a big differentiation with those two products, and and certainly RCI does a great job at looking down the whole stack, looking at VMware, looking at yep. the switches, looking at the storage, putting all this together with analytics, real badass reporting, and and you know putting all this together in a in a really cool package, and now. Going to the cloud, integrating with you know cloud inside and all that stuff. Now, Reed and I come to realize that we can't really talk about performance without talking about OCI. There's great value in OCI 
it's just not the same playground. We're not in the same league. And I think that the purpose of the uh, discussion today is really open source tools. So, Yeah, so let's actually break that down a little bit. So if I'm trying to decide between something like NABox or uh, Cloud Insights, why would I make a choice to use something I have to pay for versus something I don't? So probably if you want support, that's that's one uh, aspect of it. Uh, and for a lot of companies, it is important. Uh, if you want, Cloud Insights particularly is all about presenting a dashboard in a SaaS model. So if you're into this, you know, concentrating everything into a portal that's a web portal that's hosted by NetApp and maintained by NetApp, that's the whole idea of Cloud Insight. And bringing all kind of storage into that same umbrella because Cloud Insight, obviously, it's not just about NetApp. It has all the other storage uh, providers out there and the vendors. So there's much more than what you get with Harvest. Now, you might not get the singularity and the same flexibility when it comes to customizing the dashboards and customizing the metrics that you want out of this. It's, it's a really different mindset. And who said you couldn't have both, right? So probably uh, a lot of people are relying on OCI for really solid information, quick troubleshooting, uh, solid performance analytics, like with a capital A. Uh, and and I don't want to say you want you can toy around with Harvest because it's much more than a toy. It's really great and well-integrated and a lot of useful information. But if you're a geek, yeah, probably you're going to go with Harvest first and then take a look at OCI. If, you, if you're an exec, you definitely want OCI. Yeah, and OCI, I mean, like you said, you can't really drill down into like the customization, but that's the whole point of the SaaS model, right? Having something quick and easy to deploy that you don't have to have a lot of management overhead. And you have an entire army of developers working on OCI because it is a paid product, so you're able to fund it. Whereas with something like NABox, you have you. <laughs> Wait, wait a minute. Well, there's like the Hagen working on Harvest. And, oh, yeah. And well, there's two of you. There's two of you then. You have two, right? So you have, you have fault tolerance. So when, when, you, when you get sick, you can, the other one can work on it. Yeah, I, I always think about Harvest, Harvest being more of a point, more of a point solution, uh, you know, a, a smaller scale, uh, whereas OCI is really, if, if you want to monitor a data center or multiple data centers around the world, that's the kind of problem that, that OCI solves. Um, Grafana and specifically uh, NABOX is really focused on getting information from a, a single or handful of, uh, of NetApp clusters. Yeah, OCI to me basically means like, again, it's going to help you minimize your mean time to resolution as much as possible, right? Versus something like Harvest is just going to enable your engineers, right, by giving them data. But they have to make sense of all that. That takes time. So that's not going to always translate to the same reduction in time res or you know, resolution issues, resolution. So, so Jan, earlier you were talking about um, how I took the OVA of uh, the, the Grafana Harvest uh, and a box piece and made it into like something you can use in Hyper-V. And that sort of customization is possible. Can I do th other things like modifying the amount of memory I use or the CPU mm. count? It, well, that, does that improve things or is that something that you just generally don't recommend because it's based on a... a set um, configuration? No, my philosophy is that you do whatever you want. If you break it, I'm going to help you out uh, because I like to learn. And I, I think if you, if, you break, if you break in a box, it's probably because I missed something at some point and I need to fix it. 
So do whatever you want with NBox. There's some documentation on the website which is pretty recent, but I have that request often that's, you know, how do I size it? And uh, I have that many systems and all that stuff. So there's some recommendation as far as how many CPU and RAM I should give to NBox. So there are some recommendations on the website for this. Now, if you want to go into advanced configuration of Harvest, for example, so not everything obviously is, in, is into the web interface. I'm making progress at you know putting more stuffs in there. Uh, but if you want to customize templates, for example, it's not something you can do on the web interface. So you have access to the uh, root uh, user to uh, NABox with a password that's documented on the website. So you can tinker and enhance and, you know, Above all, please share. If you change anything and if you prove something, give it back to me so I can maybe integrate into the uh, into the uh, the normal version. So uh, so yes, I'm open to any kind of modification. I'm not closing this down, uh, and especially the primary use case is probably to customize the templates of Harvest because people see on the website and the communities, for example, they see that they have to use that template to get that. Uh, thing from the uh, Q trees, for example, and they have to modify the configuration. They can go as root in the virtual appliance, change things around. And I make a point of as much as I can. If people are modifying a configuration file by themselves, that it's not going to break anything down the road, and the update is going to play well with this, and it's going to cr not going to crash the whole thing. So that's very important as well. Well, just being a good sysadmin, make a copy of the file before you edit it. Yeah, just in case. Yep. So we do performance seven mode and C dot system very well, granular, and people love it. Yes, sometimes uh, they ask for more, and we help as much as much as we can. There was, for example, there's a couple projects uh, out there to kind of bring together uh, e what's what we call EMS events from on tap, like a disk fails or some, some event happens on the system, you know, aggregate scans, volumes creation, deletion, that kind of stuff. And that can report an event and, and that event can go, for example, into a uh, ELK stash. So Elastic, Lock, Stash, and Kibana. Um, so we've had proof of concepts of a disk down event going through Lockstash, through the log manager, into Elastic and being reported as a layer on top of the performance graph. So people were, you know, uh, working on this. Uh, that's why I didn't mention it because I think like, there's like two people using it on Earth. But on NABox, there is a, uh, a uh, Elastic and a Logstash bundle. So you do have a button there where you can start an Elastic Stark. So if you want to push syslog metrics to NABox, you can. You just have to point your syslog client or daemon to to an box, and it's going to be you know put into Elastic, and then you can go in Grafana, use the Elastic data source, and do whatever you want with it. So that's one of the big aspects. It is not simple. It's kind. Of, it's not trivial at all. Uh, but if it's there, and if you want to use it, and if you want to share your work, you know I'm all in. That that's awesome. And yes aggregating multiple sources and present that in a uh, consistent layer uh, that's 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 a, that's pretty good stuff it's not easy to do the foundations are kind of here to do this uh, 
but um, you still have to figure out, okay, what makes sense? You don't want to throw stuff at a graph and then, you know, after four or five different sources are, are in that graph, it doesn't make any sense at all. You want to carefully, you know, pick and choose exactly what you're going to present. A disk fail event is fair. Like, disks don't fail every day, especially in the SSD world. But if you want to, you know, grab, uh, grab every single event and put that in a graph, it's going to be counterproductive. So there's a lot going into this in terms of, you know, uh, user interface, interaction, doing the right thing for the user and not, you know, over share metrics and, and make sure that everything makes sense. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, that's possible. Uh, but it, it has to be, you know, thought through. All right, Jan, Dan's, thanks for joining us today and uh, <laughs> talking about performance Later. monitoring and Grafana and Harvest. Uh, if we wanted to reach you, Jan, how do we do that, and how do we find any box? So there's a pun in there. I didn't, you know, meant it that way at the beginning, but it's at YB on tap because YB on tap and YB being my initials. YB on tap on Twitter. All right, and we find NABox at nabox.org? That would be a good place to start, yes. All right, are you a nonprofit? Is that why you're using .org? Yeah, if I start making money out of this, I'm sure I'm <laughs> going to have a bunch of lawyers. You know. Yeah, don't, you want to avoid that. Uh, so, go ahead. Uh, Jan, does, I'm sorry, so does uh, NABox require VMware, or could you uh, run it in uh, another hypervisor? So I think Dan was not listening. But no, he was not listening. <laughs> so you Sorry. can run. So Justin made a pretty good job at you know converting the VMs to the converting the VM to run it in Hyper-V. So that works in Hyper-V thanks to Justin. There is one other thing that I had a couple of requests actually from people taking that thing and trying to run it in Amazon. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute, what are you doing here? And I because I did not anticipate this at all, and I was thinking, yeah, it's never going to work. But what, the more I thought about it, and I'm like, yeah, okay, why not? You know, if you want to run it in Prime, run it in Prime. If you want to run it in Amazon, run it in Amazon. So there's there's one gotcha with the partition, and and Amazon Amazon does you know some weird stuff with the, with the VM when you import into uh, into Amazon. It kind of modifies the FS tab and the amount points. You just have to fix this when it's in Amazon. It works really well now. I would recommend if you run on Amazon to run a containerized version like Dan's or, or others and, and try to make it as lean as possible. And, uh, you know, it makes much more sense than running a, a, a full compute instance for this, especially since we're talking about, you know, maybe, I don't know how many systems you would have, but 8 gig of RAM. Well, okay, it's not that much. You can do it. But there's, there's options out there to run that in the cloud. Yeah. Yeah, the, the OVA file is essentially just a zipped up file of VMDK and configuration. So what I did was took the configuration file, which is an XML, and just took a look at what they had configured for the disk size and you know all the stuff that you would need to create a VM. And then you create the VM in your selected hypervisor of choice, and then you convert the file. There's, there's converter tools out there for Hyper-V. There's probably stuff out there for KVM and other virtualization infrastructures, mm -hmm. Zen, whatever you want to use. Then you just convert the file and then you just you know use it that way. I've had a lot of fun with the with the whole build pipeline of NA Box and from from the git commit on the master to the publication of the website, it's all automated. And I've you know great interest in looking into you know what Justin what Justin did and maybe integrate the conversion of the Hyper-V VM and, and bundle that and put that into the website as well. So I'm gonna 
going to look into this as well. All right. Uh, Dan Berkland, uh, how do we reach you? Uh, on Twitter at dberkland, and then my, my blog is another place. And I, if you comment or have questions, you can reach out to me through there. I, I try to keep up to date with all the uh, comments and whatnot. So um, my blog is www.dberkland.com. And last but not least, Dan Isaacs. You can reach me at, at Dan Isaacs on the Twitter or just Isaacs at netapp.com if you want to send me an email. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us and talking to us about performance monitoring and, and harvest. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via TechOnTapPodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Jan Bizul, Dan Berkland, and Dan Isaacs for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.